It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! All right, welcome everybody. Ears up podcast. Here we are on a Thursday. And uh, we are, for the first time ever, streaming on Facebook Live, everybody. Facebook <laughs> is alive with ears up, and I'm very excited about it, mainly because I figured out a way not to have to pay $20 for the privilege. So I'm very excited about that. I only have to pay 12 a month. So, yeah. so uh, anybody who's over on Facebook Live, you owe me $12. <laughs> yeah. Each. It's, it's been a little bit of a process, but we got there at yep, the end. We'll figure it out, man. I'm not worried about it at all. But uh, I will say that uh, Bev over here is going to be monitoring the chat on Facebook in case there's anybody watching. I don't know. Um, I don't understand. And then, um, you know, Taryn will be over here on the old YouTube chat. So, um, you know, if you don't like your neighbors on uh, YouTube, jump in the Facebook. And then if you're on Facebook and you don't like those people, just jump over to YouTube and we can all swap neighbors and it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> all right, whatever. Jeremy is supposed to be joining us today. Oh, that's nice. Um, just to hang out and whatever. And I told him, like, uh, you don't have to, man, if you don't want to. Um, and he goes, no, 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 no. You need me. I'll be there. And uh, he's not here. Well, that's well. He'll get here. Yeah. yeah he'll get here. Maybe. Did you see his picture of Main Street? I did. Yeah. Main Street at, at uh, WDW, dude. That was bizarre. It's bizarre. I it don't makes you like kind of jealous. I don't oh, know. Like, I would sure. love to be. I would love to be in the parks right now with like the amount of people there, but just not having to wear a mask and all that. It's horrible. everything we've talked about. It's everything oh, we've ever goodness. spoken about ever in the world ever. It what must do you be mean? worse in Florida about like going to the parks with nobody there? Oh yeah. yeah, it's like the dream, which is why people are doing it. To be honest with you, I think for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. 100% absolutely. We have a good show for you guys today, for sure, mainly because it's a me show. The sound cut out. How did the sound cut out? Yeah, I'm getting the same message in Facebook. Okay, it's back. It Okay. Okay, whatever. Let's not question it. You know what I'm trying to say? We're just going to plow ahead. We're going to forge forward into this show. That's uh, a me show, and it is called The Haunted Mansion That Almost Kinda Was. Which is a truncated version of the original, which was uh, the haunted mansion that almost kind of not really, but maybe possibly could have been, sort of. Okay. <laughs> That's really the, the, That's the main That's the full thing. title? Yeah. Almost. Uh, yeah. And what does that mean? Well, you're going to have to wait and find out because we have to tell you that we are all over social media, in case you didn't know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. Any feedback on the show, which I forgot to check, with the lovely Taryn to see if there is any. There is. Oh, perfect. Uh, that goes to Taryn at earsup-podcast.com. You can send show suggestions to Terrence um, and then maybe just BCC me, okay? Because Terrence is really busy right now, and <laughs> I don't true. know if he's going to be able to get to the stuff. So uh, you can say hi, hi. to Bev, and uh, anything else comes to me, Jason, whatever. Um, and before we get to feedback... Concy Ears, they are our official travel partner. If you're one of these people who's itching to get to the parks and you can still taste and smell things, you are the ripe candidate, the prime person uh, for Concy Ears. Go to concierge.com. They will help you navigate all the uncertainty that's going on in the parks right now, what you can do, what you can't do, what's closed, what's open, uh, how to get into the things that are open, that kind of stuff. And they charge no extra money 
uh, beyond the price of your ticket. It's all free. So take advantage of it. Concierge.com. They've been supporting us through this lockdown, and uh, you know we want you guys to to, to show them some support um, as well. Uh, all right, Taryn, what's our feedback? Huh? Huh? All right, well, the first one is from Michael. I love it already. <laughs> I love it. Um, and the subject is how to make water rides fun again for Taryn. Oh, okay. And all it is is a link <laughs> to an Amazon product for Body Glide Outdoor Anti-Shafe Balm. Oh, body glide. Okay. All so, right. It sounds really kinky. And he says, you're welcome. Never okay. go to the parks without it. Team no chafe is what he hashtagged. Team no chafe. Okay. And chafe. then, I mean, and even the- not on a water ride, I feel like that could be very valuable at the park. Definitely. If anybody's ever worn a skirt or a dress to the park, it oh, it's the worst thing ever. I've never had that problem when I wear my... <laughs> or like shorts that are maybe just kilt. a hair too short. Yeah. Oh, it's just the worst. Actually, I have these shorts that like... They they cuff, mm-hmm. and that part just gets me. I, like I wore them to Disneyland once, and I was like, I've, can't I can't do it. I can't do it. It, ru- it basically kind of almost ruins the day. Hmm. Oh yeah. And then there's another one. Okay. This is from Brittany, but not our Brittany, a different Brittany. Oh, I'll like it better then. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Uh, this is all. So. Uh, She says, Taryn, the last couple of shows I listened to you complain about getting wet on Splash Mountain and Grizzly River. When we go, we have a tradition that one of the days about an hour and a half before the uh, about an hour to half hour before the park closes, we put on our flip flops and go as many times as we can. So, yes, we get wet, but Hmm. then we go back to the hotel afterwards so it doesn't ruin our whole day. You should try it sometime. That is pretty good, especially if you're staying on resort. You you carve that soaking time into your day yep appropriate it's, it's a very good idea so i really appreciate that Brittany. she also says thanks for the laughs hey you're welcome you're welcome and that's feedback for you this time it all was right. all it was all to me i felt really special i love it well you should feel special taryn um if you want to feel special everybody go and support ears up which i've never heard of but it's a great podcast i've been told uh, head over to etsy.com slash shop slash cub ears you can buy shirts from us over there uh patreon.com slash ears up is the best way to support us and we have some new information on actually both of those two items over on the etsy shop we have a brand new shirt it's the new tiki room uh logo i'm finally finally able to uh put brand new shirts up and new um you know new images and stuff like that so uh that's up there it's really cool. It's designed by our friend Matt Tadesh, so uh, check that out. Buy it. It's great. I love it. It's good. It's beautiful. <laughs> uh, Patreon. I've been talking, I think, for a little bit. I can't remember anymore. We've done so many shows and Patreon posts, and I don't know what I've said and what I've typed out, but um, I've had to redesign uh, the Patreon rewards tiers. And really what that is is uh, a replacement for the cool photos that I was getting from our friend Kyle, former Imagineer Kyle was uh, taking all these pictures and sending them to me, uh, you know, and I was, you know, handing them out to the Patreon folks, but he, his hard drive crashed, lost all, oh. his, lost all of his images. Bummer. And these were really good, like, high quality. He's taken some time. They're a lot like the, the photos that Jeremy likes to take, if you're a Patreon supporter of Jeremy. And um, anyway, so he's like, I, I have nothing for you anymore. Oh, like I, so whatever you have, that's it. You're not getting any more. So I'm like, okay. So I had to figure this all out. So... The $12 level, uh, you know, we were doing a gift card, but I got rid of that. And then uh, I got rid of the photos. So I'm adding 
a couple of more shows. And I'm not going to go into super detail because you can just go to Patreon and read all about it if you wanted to. Um, but the uh, the new shows, basically, I'm I'm redoing um, Pyramid the Eye of the Ears, so I'm bringing P back. Okay. <laughs> Thank um, my gosh. Yeah, I I'm like that I'm like a Russian in a hotel room. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> oh jeez. Sorry. Um, oh no. Yeah, I know. I apologize. Maybe I'll cut that out. Inappropriate. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when I get nervous, I get gassy. Um, <laughs> this is not me this time. <laughs> no, but I get gassy of the brain. Anyways, uh, so I'm bringing that show back. I'm do I'm doing another show that's called Cool People Doing Cool Stuff, which I said was a working title, but I haven't had time to figure out a better title. So that's what the title is. It's where <laughs> Because uh, I sort of realized uh, I have a lot of cool friends who do a lot of cool stuff, and I've always wanted to talk to them about what they do and interview them, but I've never been on a show that isn't super focused on one thing. It's either a beer show or a Disneyland show, but I don't have like a general just way to talk to people about stuff that happens. It's cool, right? So um, I started this show, and it's not a consistent show. These shows aren't going to be every month. It's going to be a, basically a bucket. I call it the mystery content machine where I just have a thing that I can pull from. So one day it's going to be, one month it's going to be pee. The other month it'll be cool people doing cool things. One month it'll be uh, some artwork from Matt and one month it'll be some content from the Supreme Resort Jokers. Like, whatever it is, right? And it's sort of a way for us to keep it fresh, to keep you guys coming back for more and sort of keep you on your toes. So uh, all that starts now at the $12 level and goes up from there, and there's other stuff. Uh, the side that sort of affects people who aren't Patreon supporters is the Tiki Room is now uh, going to be <laughs> Patreon only for a bit. So normally, you know, we, we blast it out there because we want everyone to hang out, but part of my drive to create new content for Patreon supporters who are literally keeping the show alive um, I, I need to I, I need to fall back on the tiki room, so I apologize if that sort of bums you out if you're not a supporter or whatever. But so here's what's going to happen: I'm going to post in Patreon a couple two two three days beforehand, and only Patreon people will get the link. So only Patreon supporters will be able to hang out with us in the chat room, and then maybe after a week or so, I'll make it public, and then everybody can go rewatch it and you know still relive the the glory. The good news is it's not tiered, so you can come on at two bucks a month. And you're a Patreon supporter, and you can join in on, on the fun. Send me a message. Let me know if that doesn't. I mean, if I don't know, I'm I'm open to stuff. Like I want to be, you know, I want to please everybody, but I also want to make sure that the people who, you know, are supporting us at these higher tiers get content that they that they want. So yeah, there's that. Um, the new Bantha Milk podcast is out. Uh, actually, it was just released a couple days ago. It's the Star Wars Awards. Apparently, The Mandalorian was up for like 15 Emmy nominations or something like that. Some insane amount. And I tried rewatching that show, and I I couldn't get through like episode four. I was so bored with it. It's such a boring show. But God bless who you like it. That's great. Um, So check that out, Bantha Milk Pod. Don't forget to subscribe to Scraping the Vault, a brand new show from the Rapscallions over at, uh, what is it? I forget the other show they do. Anyway, you can like it and rate it and subscribe it. And um, Taryn's new show, House Meeting, is already is out and it's already on like episode two or three or whatever Five. it is. Five, damn. Uh, and that is about Big Brother, the TV show, reality show, Big Brother. So if you're a Big Brother fan on CBS, House Meeting is for you. Find it everywhere, like it and subscribe it and rate it and all that kind of stuff. Thank you. Please do. You're welcome. 
The 21st Amendment has been serving craft beer in the San Francisco Bay Area for 19 years. From their initial brew pub on 2nd Street, which is two blocks from Giant Stadium in San Francisco, to their production brewery and tap room across the bay in San Leandro. 21st Amendment is now available in over 29 states, including in and around the parks. So next time you're there in the city, the city by the bay, <laughs> visit their brew pub and shoot over to neighboring San Leandro to check out the new production brewery and tap room for great beers and good food. And be sure to ask for the 21st Amendment wherever you find good craft beer. All right. All right. After all that talking, guess what it's time for me to do? <laughs> Talk a lot more. Talk a lot more. All right. I will say after this, we have news and I have a cool uh, song to play that I know will be dinged for copyright infringement on uh, YouTube. So that'll be fun also to deal with tomorrow. Nice. Great. But it's worth it. Because this song is amazing. <laughs> is it as amazing as the last song you played? Um, in a different sort of not really way. Okay. I don't know if anything can top that last song that I played. That was pretty good. That last song, Sam spent like two hours on that guy's like Instagram or whatever. Like, oh, looking God, at I his bet. videos and following <laughs> him. Like, literally like loving him. Yeah. And oh, deciding wow. that he's... that's. That's his end game. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Bam, look at this. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, gosh. Um, all right. Maybe so here we go, everybody. Now, usually when I think personally of the Haunted Mansion, I sort of conflate it with the opening and very much the best part of Pirates of the Caribbean Caribbean, which is drifting through the bayou while crickets trip away, slowly moving towards a lonely old man who looks like he's been waiting just a little too long for you to come <laughs> floating by. Which I don't know about anybody else, but like to me, that's exactly what I think of, and I don't, I don't know, I don't know why, um, and it's always sort of thrown me for a loop that that's the beginning of pirates. Okay, is you're through the swamp, and then suddenly you're in a Spanish fort or something, whatever the hell it is. I don't even know anymore. It's very strange. Okay. okay. Um, apparently, by the way, the, that same animatronic mold uh, for the old man on the dock is also used in Disney World. But not on Pirates. He's on Rivers of America. Uh, and his name is Beacon Joe. And I guess he's dressed like exactly the same. Huh. Okay. So, but I don't know if this guy uh, has a name. Okay. Weird, right? Okay. Uh, the swampy boat ride is really the only thing sort of anchoring pirates to New Orleans Square, lore-wise, anyway. Once you hit that first drop, you're in a wormhole, brother. Flying <laughs> through space and time to another... Time, but this <laughs> is about the haunted mansion. So let's circle back, circle back there. Uh, back in the heady days of Disneyland, when our favorite rides were being built, there were sometimes different versions floating around. Pirates, for example, was going to be a walkthrough wax museum about pirates of all things. Imagine that. Imagine a walkthrough wax museum. We Horrible. literally went to one of those. Yes, we did in the Caribbean. In the Caribbean. That, and it was like the in jankiest the ass. Like it sort of reminded me of those weird like 50s and 60s television shows where maybe it was um, like a Twilight Zone or more like a Twilight Zone spinoff where the wax figures would suddenly come alive and attack you. But they always looked like we have $500 we need to, in our budget. We need to make a wax figure kind of a thing. Yeah. It was amazingly awful. Yeah, it was really good, man. <laughs> oh, man. All the pirates had facial hair just like Sam. It was just patchy and weird. It was super patchy, yeah. It looked <laughs> Poor Sam. Pretty nasty. The Haunted Mansion is also one of those um, rides that had different versions. And we know this, right? We've talked about this on the show a few times. 
there was the restaurant idea that was potentially going to be there, uh, the walkthrough idea that we've heard a lot about, the Museum of the Weird from Rolly Crump that was going to be in there too. So lots of lots of stuff. But apparently, there was another option, the boat ride option. Okay, which I, I didn't know about, and I love. I have never cool. heard this before, and when I first read it uh, online, I, I thought, uh, and I said out loud, "Shut up." to my computer screen because sometimes the way my smoothed out brain works is that if I didn't hear about it first, it's usually fake, right? Especially with stuff like this. I had never heard this before. I couldn't, I refuse to believe it. But there are signs, in fact, that point out to a semi-developed version of the Haunted Mansion that would have been a boat ride. And while plans didn't get far enough to have, say, a scale model built or, you know, records in archives... Uh, protected there there was actually a pitch to Walt there was concept art of this oh. done yeah so let's take a ride through what could have been the greatest water ride in the history of water the haunted mansion flotilla of doom well that's what I'm calling it and that's I just made that of doom yeah 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 <laughs> that, that's what I'm calling it because I feel like that's pretty cool mm-hmm. I want a flotilla <laughs> so okay. First things first, I want to shout out uh, this website called longforgottenhauntedmansion.blogspot.com <laughs> okay. for finding a good portion of this information and for turning me on to this long-forgotten idea of a, a mansion boat ride. This guy is sort of like, um, I think he's like a theological uh, student, like a theologian. He just like studies theology, and then he just obsesses over Haunted Mansion. But he has a ton of... Um, Cool stuff to find on his website. So, you know, definitely definitely check it out. Dan, I believe his name is. I would have just had him on and, and, and you know, and interviewed him, but the guy was busy, mm-hmm. which means you're stuck with me. <laughs> I zipped around the internet and was able to find some gems myself to sort of fill out this, you know, make this more rounded of an idea. So, you know, that was a lot of fun, and I, I busted out the old, uh, this old chestnut, The Haunted Mansion, Imagineering a Disney Classic by Jason Sorrell. Very good book. I highly recommend it if you don't have it already. So, as we know, the Haunted Mansion opened in 1969, with the actual facade being up for a a few years prior, of course. But the ride itself had been in production since 1957, when when first concepts for it were produced. Walt's original idea for this was to have the guests moved around by a ghostly cart that would drop down from the ceiling, transporting us through this haunted ride. Now, this is the first piece of information that I learned that was brand new because the lore for Haunted Mansion was always that Walt wanted a walkthrough mm-hmm. from day one, right? From the jump. But apparently that's not the case. Ken Anderson, who is the original lead on this project, took very careful notes in his first meeting with Walt back in 57 when Walt first approached him with the concept of a haunted house. And this was, according to Ken... Walt's original idea to have some kind of conveyance system in place, which reminded me, and I don't know if I knew, but uh, Walt, it was Walt's idea to have a haunted mansion and he gave it to Ken and it was mostly fleshed out, not mostly fleshed out. He had a lot of good ideas, but one of them had been people sitting in a cart to be moved around. It was never, it was never um, originally a walkthrough. Okay. Uh, I think, however, uh, that it wasn't very long until someone realized that this cart system would take four friggin' ever to get guests through the ride. (laughs) 
So that idea had to be scrapped. And the only other option at the time, I think, was for it to be a walkthrough attraction and sort of pull off um, the gags and, and effects that Walt had in mind. And then eventually they realized, well, that would take forever, too. But not for friggin' ever. So let's build two separate versions side by side to handle the crowd. That was their solution. So that one time there was going to be two exact copies, or I guess one a copy? Wait, anyway. Two versions of the Haunted Mansion for walkthroughs to eat the people. Okay. Jeez. I know, right? Okay. Of course, the Omnimover coming along in 1967 solved that problem, and the rest, as we know, is history. But for a point in time there, the door was seemingly open for an alternative conveyance system to move guests through the mansion. Okay. Enter a man called Fred Joger. Joger? Jaeger. Joger. And I don't mean like physically enter him because he's he passed away, <laughs> but this is where he comes into the story. Fred was primarily a model maker for Disney who got to start making models of movie sets for Warner Brothers. His first job for Walt was to help make backgrounds for Project Little Man, the sort of first jump into animatronics. And uh, I found a little history about about Project Little Man, and I thought it was really cool, so I just want to verbally abuse you with this right now. In 1951, machinist Roger Brogy and sculptor Wathel Rogers, which is a year before they would be called Imagineers, right? They were just people, I guess, uh, (laughs) led a team tasked with creating a nine-inch tall figure that could move and talk. Actor Buddy Ebsen was brought in to perform vaudevillian dance routines under the direction of Walt Disney, providing movement for the little mechanical man to emulate. In the early 1960s, after Disneyland was up and running, Walt was ready to revisit three-dimensional animation. By the end of Project Little Man, however, Roger Brogy had apprised Walt of the limitations of working with miniatures. Quote, I told Walt that if we were allowed to build full-size figures, we could put the equipment inside the figure. Brogy said, we couldn't have, uh, excuse me, we wouldn't have to go through cables and cams. We could build integrated figures. So Brogy, that was his idea for animatronics. Wow. Full-sized, where you could put all the stuff inside. Maybe not his idea for animatronics, but he was the one who brought that idea to Walt, which I thought was, was okay. pretty cool. Yeah. It wasn't long before Walt thought up to a human-sized application, so not just a, a, a human-sized thing that can sing and dance, but an interactive thing, which, mm-hmm. of course, that's Walt. Uh, Walt says, quote, I wanted to have a Chinese restaurant at the park. And I think we may have talked about this. Hmm. It sounded semi-familiar, but... Yeah, it does. Um, anyway, this, this quote from Walt is just bananas. I wanted to have a Chinese restaurant at the park, Walt told his Imagineers. Out in the lobby will be an old Chinese fellow like Confucius. Not an actor, but a figure made out of plastic. Now the customers will ask him questions, and he'll reply with words of wisdom. End quote. The Imagineers assembled the head and got it to blink its eyes and open and close its mouth. Now let's make him talk, Walt enthused. He instructed the team to begin watching television with the sound off and observe how people formed words. And then so they stepped away from that and then moved on to the Abraham Lincoln figure and that kind of thing. But anyway, I thought that was super fascinating because the Project Little Man was the stepping stone for animatronics and uh, the whole Roger Brogy thing. Anyway, uh, back to the mansion. At this point in time, uh, which was, you know, early mid-60s, Fred Joger... Yoger, I gotta say it's Yoger, right? It's J-O-E-G-E-R. Let's say Yoger. Uh, in my mind, he's Swedish. At this point in time, uh, Fred was making models for the Haunted Mansion, bringing concept art to life before construction. One day, Fred approached 
Claude Coates with an idea. What if the mansion was in an old bayou and it was flooded with about three feet of water? We could take guests through in boats. Now, apparently in this pitch, he used words like keen illusions, which sort of makes me love him a, a lot, quite honestly. <laughs> the, word, okay. the, the phrase keen illusions would be cool. Uh, Claude thought the idea was a good one and should be sent up the flagpole to Walt, who promptly said, quote, we have too many boat rides anyway. So it's a hard yeah. no because we had too many boat rides. Now, think back. I mean, he's not wrong. Well, okay. So think back to circa 1964, 1965 Disneyland. What boat rides did Walt have? Pi- was Pirates open yet? No. Oh. Well, um, but that was uh, in the, he knew that was coming. Small World, right? No. Was it not there yet? Small World was 67. But so he also knew that was coming. They, I don't think they had started working on it yet, even. But maybe so. Let's so so. Uh, Pirates was being planned at this moment in history, but was it the Autopia boats or whatever they're called? Oh yeah, those boats. So the little mini, the motor is the motorboat cruise. Also the uh, the the one in uh, in the storybook river. canal boats. Oh yeah, that one. But the river storybook land. There you <laughs> Whatever. Terrence isn't here. Terrence would be care? so mad right now. <laughs> so, yeah, you had, you had the Mark Twain. You had the yeah. sailing ship Columbia. You had the keeled boats. You had the Indian War canoes, which you kind of forget that those are called the Indian War canoes. And they had cast members dress up like Indians. Yeah. With feathers in their headbands to row your... Anyway. Mm-hmm. So they had those. They had maybe submarines, maybe, but I think that's a stretch jungle to call cruise? it a boat ride. They had jungle cruise. Yep. So at first I was like, what a dummy, because this was pre-Small World and pre-Pirates, but still during Pirates planning stages. But when you think about it, he, he did have a ton of boats. Yeah, there's a lot of boat rides. And then he had two more. Yeah. He could have he had three more. <laughs> yeah, but okay. It seems, so it seems, like a weird, it seems like a weird reason to not have it. So far, I don't like the concept, though, mm-hmm. of, flooded, of just a boat. the flooded bayou. Like, okay. I, it, it sounds... It sounds like um, reaching, like oh, like they were desperate. Like it sounds like mm-hmm. pirates. Okay, Bev, were you gonna say something? Or, or the first, you know, four minutes of pirates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyway, um, I, I was just gonna say, um, yeah. was was the intention always, and, and it doesn't sound like it, it was. Was it always to be a mansion? Was it always? It wasn't yeah. always supposed to be a house. It was. Yeah, it was always supposed to be a haunted house. So why would you be riding a boat through a house? That's right. like a much more logical reason to think maybe let's not do boats. Yeah, because uh, I, the only thing I can imagine is because it was in New Orleans. They have a high water table. The basements <laughs> flood. And so how do you have a, you know. You want to talk about a, a reach? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is yeah. it though? Um, so Walt said no. And now normally a no from Walt should have been the end of things, right? But it seems like there were more people than just Fred and Claude that thought this boat idea had legs. And this is also where the timeline gets a little wonky. And, you know, because we're mainly talking uh, about interviews with men that are in their 60s and 70s who, you know, are, are asked to remember a point in time 40 years previous. You know, things get a little weird, right? So we're not entirely sure about what happened, what came first. But, um, you know, whether it was the, the concept art or the pitch to Walt, what came first. But... Um, I emailed Rolly Crump, friend of the show, to see if he could shed, uh, shed some light on it, considering he was right there at the time uh, crafting effects for this ride. But I didn't hear back. Oh, darn. <laughs> Let me check my email. 
<laughs> nope. Let me check my spam. Nope, not there. Okay. <laughs> well, anyways, there you go. Hopefully they're they're all right. I imagine the only reason they didn't email me back is because they're highly, highly busy. Hey guys. Uh, the future Jason here, and while you're listening to this show at this direct point in the podcast that I'm editing, I got an email back from Rolly Crump, actually. I just mentioned that I hadn't heard back at the time of the recording. Well, this morning changed all that. So let me just read a quick, the, 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 quickly the email that Rolly sent over. Um, he says, Yale Gracie came up with the idea of the boat ride. It was at the time they were trying to figure out how to move as many people through the mansion as possible. He said, the ideas were dismissed as quickly as they come up. Things were happening so fast. Everyone was busy sketching ideas to present to Walt. Rolly's not sure when Walt was aware of the boat ride idea. When Yale first mentioned a boat ride, everyone thought it was stupid. <laughs> Which is, I don't know, sort of like classic Rolly, right? Uh, and eventually, Yale agreed. Rolly, and this is, uh, I think, Marie uh, talking now uh, via Rolly. She's uh, uh, Rolly's quite sure Walt capitalized always. Walt was always wanted it to be a walkthrough. Hope this helps Rolly and Marie. So, and again, I think I mentioned later on in, in this ep. Um, Nobody really knows kind of a, a timeline for this because nothing was written down. But we also sort of waxed poetic about how fast everything changed with the Haunted Mansion, how many great ideas there actually were that had to be thrown out. And, uh, you know, while some interviews might clash with Rolly's memory, um, I, you know, the only thing we can really uh, uh, know for certain is, like he said, things were happening so fast. But what I think sort of lends credence maybe to the fact that Walt maybe said no, but people just did it anyway, was his next line. Everyone was busy sketching ideas to present to Walt. So maybe these sketches weren't as a, a direct result of Fred's bringing it to Walt in the first place. Maybe there were multiple ideas for the boat ride uh, because at this point it wasn't a unique concept to Disneyland. So I don't know, just a, a sort of a lurch forward. And now we're going to go back into the story. I'll leave you guys here. And again, you'll sort of just pick up where you hear me, which is very fun for you, I'm sure. Uh, anyway, we'll talk about this later. I hope you guys are enjoying the episode. Have a good time. Anyways, uh, there's a concept artist uh, called Sam McKim who worked up some sketches of this concept boat ride, at least according to a fellow Imagineer called Pat Burke. Now, this is hard to corroborate because none of the McKim sketches have been published, apparently, but Pat Burke has told the story of seeing drawings of boats floating through the flooded mansion. Hmm. Quote, Sam McKim had shown me some of his original concept sketches, which showed boats floating through the halls of a half-floated and flooded mansion, much like the Blue Bayou theming. Hmm. As a side note, he also mentions a story about Leota Toombs, the head in the crystal ball scene, right? And how they took a cast of her, of her actual head to make that floating head, right? Um, with warm mold-making mold wax. Warm mold-making wax. <laughs> Since this was the days before plaster was used to make body uh, cast, right? Okay. Apparently, the wax was just a bit too warm oh, and no. slid down her face <gasps> where it cooled and ended up creating a perfect cast of her bust. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, there's that. That's amazing. 
amazing. I'd like to think that's out there somewhere still. <laughs> I would love to see that. Um, <laughs> Me too, man. I kind of wow. <laughs> yeah, so oh, anyway. Oh, wow. Oh, that was pretty good. Side note, back on back on track. Uh, <laughs> so this idea of a boat ride seemed to have some heavy hitters working on it. Aside from Claude... Co- now, again, this is all like being pulled out of conversations with Imagineers because there's no paper trail for any of this, right? Uh, aside from Claude Coates, who uh, obviously you know helped pitch the idea to Walt, you had Mark Davis uh, making reference to working on this in an interview at some point in history. Yale Gracie had a hand in it, probably working on the so-called keen effects Fred mentioned. And where Gracie went, uh, the mansion zaddy himself, Mr. Rolly Crump, was there as well. So this was more than a passing fancy. Hmm. And I think there's enough here to sort of assume that Fred's pitch to Walt came first and then possibly a few of the guys kept noodling around with it in their free time because that's sort of what artists do, right? Yeah. You know, you think this is a cool idea. Oh, let me just sketch this out real quick. And I don't know how many sketches McKim drew. It could have been two or mm-hmm. could have been five. Who knows? But if it was a cool enough concept, let's just paint it up after four martinis and see what happens. <laughs> it's kind of so cool to think that those things, I mean, hopefully still exist, but they exist and nobody's ever seen them. And so there's always the potential that you could Right, they, they could come out. You could see them. I think yeah. that's so neat. Yeah, uh, McKim died in like I think two thousand nine, and it sort of would be cool to like reach out to his family, but then that might be also a little weird too. So, mm. uh, the idea of a boat ride seems to be born. Okay, so you guys are both talking about how it seems like a reach, and it doesn't really seem very mansiony and whatever. Well, just mostly because like, kind of like what Bev was saying, like even if so, the facade was already built, so even if it was flooded why would you be on a boat through a house but Um, anyway (laughs) i don't know that i think that's overthinking (laughs) why are you on a floating tire that's exactly my point though why would you be riding a boat in a house because that's the only way the ghosts can take you through it no no that's the concept bro look it was the early 60s (laughs) give everyone just a little bit of space all right sure sorry lots of martinis that's all right um the idea of a boat ride seems to be born from one of the original ideas for the Haunted Mansion, thrown together by Ken Anderson, of an unsafe ghost house. Now, again, the original concept written by Ken Anderson was shown to Walt in 1957, September of 1957. Actually, it was before that, but by September, they had sort of a working uh, concept to move forward with. Okay. So, and the ideas went through, If you anyway, get this book, Haunted Mansion, Imagineering a Disney Classic, because... Uh, Jason does a really great job going through the actual original versions before, you know, before it got changed and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's uh, fascinating. Um, but anyway, so Ken Anderson originally imagined an unsafe ghost house with peeling wallpaper, rotting beams that caused the flooring to collapse to sort of give the guests the feeling that they would be dropping 15 feet into the bayou below the foundation of the mansion. The ghost host would steal us away and take us to, quote, show you the way it really is. We'll go into the place where it's just a bayou. Hmm. As guests, we'd sink down into the basement of the mansion on that cart we talked about earlier, and there would be muddy water all around, but, you know, in this pitch, there's no boat ride mentioned. It sounds like a very different vibe, no? Completely. Super different. But that was, like I said, one of the original concepts, so... It also sounds scarier, like, in a way. Like, yeah. Cre- creepier. 
Well, and I, I think that that was always sort of like a bone of contention. And then after Walt died, you had Mark Davis on one end, and I think it was Claude Coates on the other. One of them wanted it to be funny, one of them wanted it to be scary. So there's sort of like that push and pull that you got in the final result of what, I don't know what this is. Is it scary? Is it not? Is it funny? I don't know. I don't it understand. kind of just met in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and then it was yeah, up to exit. It was up to Exitensio to sort of make sense of everything with his script. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, anyways, I'm, a, I'm super smart. I'm an expert, Except basically. You got the, yeah. Yeah. You are I got an the expert. What? You got the person wrong. It's, Who? It's, 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 wasn't it Raleigh Crump? No. I thought he was the guy that, like, dis- like basically wanted it to be kind of, like, weird and creepy. No. And then he, somebody he, else wanted it funny. No. <laughs> I mean, he he wanted he, maybe with reference to like Museum of the Weird. Yeah, that's but, what I was thinking. But that was already scrapped. I think. Oh, okay. It. So, okay. What are you gonna do? Um, <clears throat> so during this time, Pirates was already being worked on, and we know how some projects like to bleed into others. Everyone sort of shared ideas, and nothing was ever really thrown away. Uh, for example, some of Raleigh's Museum of the Weird stuff ended up in the Honda Mansion after all. And as we mosey on down this rabbit hole of what could have been we can maybe see that interplay between the mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean, which mm-hmm. are two rides that really shouldn't be related, despite mm-hmm. them both being <laughs> in the same land. There's nothing that fits those two storylines together. Right. We talked about Sam McKim's artwork and how nothing had really been published of it with relation to the boats, but there are pieces of concept art that would lend credence to the idea that this boat ride concept had far more distance than we know. Dorothea Redmond started at WDI in 1964, coming from a background in set design for Paramount and Universal. She took a break from Hollywood and after about 10 years or so, decided that she hated her new profession working at an architectural firm. So she made her way into WDI and uh, landing her first job, transforming the old Red Wagon Inn at Disneyland into the Plaza Inn. Uh Also becoming one of Walt's favorite places to host guests. So if your first job is to redesign the interior of a thing and then Walt loves it so much it's his, one of his favorite hangout spots, you are through the roof. You're golden, baby. Oh, yeah. You are Charlie in the Chocolate Factory in that friggin' <laughs> elevator, homie. You are employee yeah. of the month the whole year. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. She developed the interior at her next job after that. She was developing, um, uh, or, excuse me, was designing many of the interiors of the shop's and the windows of New Orleans Square. Again, a huge job, right? Yeah. She developed the interior of the Royal Suite, now known as the Dream Suite, of course. All this uh, is a way of saying that people trusted Dorothea with concept art. So to me, reading that there are sketches and watercolors that she did that sort of invoke this flooded mansion concept reads more like this project had some meat on his bones for at least a few months. So I would imagine... Maybe they reached out to Dorothea because there was uh, there were quotes from uh, Mark Day, no Bob Gert, someone, someone with two names. I don't remember. Uh, that was like <laughs> basically everybody wanted her sketches. Everybody wanted her to do the concept art for their ideas. Okay. So for her to give time to this idea, potentially, and there's no documentation again, so we don't really know for sure, but it's very invoking, and it's hard without the, the actual photos. But. Sure. 
Looking at her sketches, it, it looks like guests were going to be cruising through the halls with a large overhead archways, grand sweeping stone staircases, and shallow pools of water below. So this one is like very ethereal, and it's this floating ghost that's coming through this archway, and then there's like a, sp- a swinging staircase here, and there looks like there's water down below. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Obviously, the flooded basement concept... Oh, excuse me. Um, It's hard to tell exactly, but with the right squint, you can sort of see it. Obviously, the flooded basement concept never materialized at the parks, but eagle-eyed fans will know that it sort of did in the hit movie film, The Haunted Mansion, (laughs) in 2003, starring Edward Murphy. No, that's not Edward Murphy, isn't that? That is Edward Murphy. I thought it was... um, Steve Gutenberg. No. Didn't Steve Gutenberg do a mansion one first? Anyway, whatever. Who cares? Um, so there's there's that. There's a scene where there's a flooded uh, crypt in the basement of the haunted mansion in the movie. Okay, that's true. I saw that movie actually not not that long ago. See, there you go. Uh, I remember that. Um, but otherwise, some of these concepts may have bled into pirates just a little bit, or. At least there could have been some intended tie-ins between the two rides, mainly linking pirates to mansion, not mansion. No, wait. Yeah, not mansion to pirates. Or I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> now I'm confused. One idea could be the falling beams that you see towards the end of pirates. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah. When you're cruising through right before shooting each other, right? The falling I beams. I love that part. Uh, it was one of Ken Anderson's original ideas to have sort of a falling through the floor effect. And this beam gag sort of fits the bill. Uh, with the chair hanging just over the head, and there's a table with a cloth on it. So it looks like there was a kitchen or some sort of sitting room that is collapsing down, you know, in the thing. Now, it, it it's also stands to reason that this is just happening because the town is on fire, right? But maybe potentially that idea of this sight gag, you know, which also like block, uh, helps block the supports for the train that goes across, right? That's the point of it, I guess. Um, you see what oh. I'm saying. It, it could have been taken from this pool of what cool effects can we have, right? Okay, okay. Yeah, totally. Um, but that's, you know, a little far-fetched, so let's, let's move on. Or back, really, whichever way, back to Sam McKim. Now, Sam created some concept art, well, the concept art, for not only uh, Mansion, but for the Blue Bayou. Okay. He, uh, and, and along with that, he created a, a map of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, sort of like a tour map of Disneyland with cartoon points of interest in certain places. It's a very like sweeping, like a lot of, um, a lot of forest and stuff like that. But at certain points there's like cartoons of like, uh, the talking skull head, not cartoons, they're drawings of like the talking skull head over the archway before you go, you know, saying yeah. there's squalls ahead or whatever that guy. And then you kind of, you know, squirrel around, um, or before that there's, uh, the old man's houseboat he's playing on the banjo waiting for you. Um, and I don't know if he's waiting for you guys. I just I th- I think that he is. It feels like he's been waiting for me. Okay. Um, so don't get, it, don't, don't get it twisted in four years. Don't message me and go, you said that he was waiting for you, but the lore is that he's just there. Anyways, not that anybody does that. Anybody who does that is no longer listening. <laughs> People used well, to yeah. do that in, their, in the beginning. It's like, all right, everybody, chill, chill out. That is go. true. We've- Um, there's also a a, a moment on his little map where drunken pirates are standing arm in arm, uh, next to barrels of rum. Well, one of these fun cartoon things he included in this map is something called a dueling oak. Now, Bev, when you were in New Orleans a couple of times, have you ever heard of the dueling oak in New Orleans or a dueling oak? 
Because didn't you do like some historical tours or whatever? I've done a bunch of them, yeah. Um, but no, that doesn't. Well, you didn't do the one that would help me out. Ring a bell. Uh, okay. But talk a little bit about it. Maybe it'll jar something. Uh, well, the dueling oak is an oak tree that people held duels under in the South. <laughs> Just what it is. Basically, it's huh. a big, giant o- oak tree, um, like a very obviously mature oak tree, and then people would meet at the dueling oak. Oh, it sounds very a lot pic- of oak picturesque. <laughs> There's a lot of oak tree, but there were, I guess, specific ones. And uh, this was held in, uh, you know, throughout the city, and then the cities would start clamping down on this, so it would move to the more rural areas of town. Um, you should. Well, here it is. One of the more uh, this was also uh, uh, one of the more famous instances of these trees are located in New Orleans. One of the more famous ones is in New Orleans proper. It's in St. Anthony's Garden at the St. Louis Cathedral in City Park, where apparently folks have dug up small trinkets and personal belongings around this tree dating back to the time of these duels. Like someone recently found like a pair of glasses and took it to an optometrist. And they were like, this is like a hundred year old pair of glasses. Wow. It's crazy, right? That's really cool. So in the sort of touristy paint, and then uh, we know that there was an early 57 uh, an advance party sent by Disney to New Orleans to do research for this ride. Oh, right, right. Okay, so all that research came back in the sort of touristy paintings of, of Pirates by McKim. He's drawn a large, sprawling oak at the edge of the water, and underneath, he's added five headstones and, just small enough to miss, two one-shot dueling pistols. Oh. Still smoking from recent use. Now, what does that remind you of? Haunted Mansion. The dueling scene in Haunted Mansion, yeah, yeah. right? in the dancing scene. That's, that's the... That, so I think that's sort of the tie-in. So why wouldn't you have this guy, McKim, do these, these drawings to... You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it makes sense where everyone's sort of in the right area at the right time and working on similar projects. There's got to be that crossover, there right? There has to be, yeah. So... I don't know, and, and I, I'm not trying to convince anybody that it happened because, I mean, we have, you know, firsthand account that it happened, but I, I guess I'm trying to think of, like, this ragtag or this, this, this rogue bunch of Imagineers going behind Walt's back and just keep doing stuff that he's already told them no. Yeah. I don't know. That's what I think. But anyway, so what have we learned from all this? Besides that this was sort of a patchwork of ideas stitched together around a very small footnote in Disneyland history, well... I learned personally that the idea of the Haunted Mansion was probably more fluid, no pun intended, than we ever really knew. And that fascinates me to no <laughs> end. Mansion is, is one of, I think, the more iconic rides specifically because it did go through so many changes before it opened. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't like Big Thunder where it's like, oh, maybe we'll move this here. And then that's just we're not touching it because it's, it's already been approved a million years ago, right? Well, and it's also interesting because the facade was there for so long mm-hmm. and there was nothing in it. I mean, it, it, it built up this intrigue, but then also, like, it seemed like it was so kind of difficult to get it going. Yeah. Well, and this book talks about it. I make a, I hit on a point here about that, but um, we'll go on. I also learned that Pirates and Mansion are tied together in a bit more of a way now than just by being in the same land. And I learned that I will never, ever leave the grand ballroom of the Honda Mansion again without thinking of Pirates and its great big dueling oak. Mm. But did we learn that Walt could sometimes be wrong? Mm. Would a mansion boat ride have been as cool as the Haunted Mansion is now? Before you answer that, 
Let me just run through this last paragraph here real fast. Originally, the mansion was going to take, like I said, one group through at a time in the little cart. But with the but with the addition of the Omnimover, well, they lost control of guest flow, right? And, and losing control over how many people go through your ride. And not losing control, but I guess uh, multiplying it exponentially, mm-hmm. right? Like instead of a group of six at a time every 15 minutes. Horrible. Now you have 30 every 10 minutes or whatever, right? So uh, if you lose control over over that, you throw off your ratio of how long it takes for your effects to reset. And okay. if you don't have, if you're not showing every guest the same effects, you're, that's poor show experience, right? Definitely. And it was going to be close to impossible at that speed to make sure every effect fired for each guest on time. And that's the point, is oh. to see stuff work, right? So now with the Omnimover, they had their crowd problem. They, they, they could eat people through this ride now, but they had to sort of pivot and make sure that everyone saw every gag without waiting for each reset of each scene for each guest cart. For example, one of the early ideas for rider interaction, and this is early, early 57, 59, I think, took the form of a guest book that people would sign before entering the mansion. And then later on, the ghosts would use that information during the ride to personalize it for the specific guests in what I can only compare to the greatest ride in DCA, Monsters, Inc., which <laughs> I'm sorry, but I am not. And I refuse adamantly to wait for every person ahead of me to write their stupid, dumb name in a book, homie. That, that is not. <laughs> I know. But that kind of would have been cool. Like you're cruising to the mansion and someone's like, Todd. <laughs> Boo. You know what I mean? Or whatever. I don't know. Um, another effect uh, that uh, Rolly Crump worked on, actually, and was showing people and, and, and uh, got a great big uh, you know, reaction at everybody, um, had a murderous sea captain appear and disappear into a puddle of water. That's pretty cool. It is cool, but that effect took two full minutes to reset. Oh, geez. Not just to execute to fully reset for the next show, right? Or for the next thing. That's not going to work. No. Yeah. So it was probably shelved uh, earlier uh, than the Omnimover and for different reasons than conveyance issues. But it does sort of highlight how wild some of these gags in the mansion were in those early pre-opening days. We know that at least some of what was already planned gag-wise had to get reworked for this new crowd system because a few of these Imagineers have said as much in interviews. Could a pirate's ride-like mansion have worked? I think so. It would have seen a, a mansion open a lot faster, for sure. Yeah. Would it have been as good or better than what we have today? I don't know that. Part of the reason the mansion sat for so long was due to other projects, but, and you know, Walt dying. Uh, but also, a few of the guys just weren't sure about the final product. They wanted it to be up to Walt's standards, and without his hand on the rudder, they seemed like a flooded engine a bit. They just didn't know what to do. I think it was Claude Coates was saying that. He goes, we didn't know. We wanted it to be what Walt wanted, but we were uncertain. So we didn't do anything. We worked on other stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Which, so Walt died in, what, 66, I think, right? Sounds right. Yeah. 67, Omnimover came. Once the Omnimover came... They integrated into the, into Pirates. They had to rework the whole thing, and it was open two years later. Well, and he would have loved the Omnimover. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But imagine if 
so the addition of the Omnimover changed the execution of scenes and probably the whole feel of the thing. So imagine what Honda Mansion would have been, even if it was just a walkthrough, or even if it was just a, a, a slow roller coaster or whatever, right? Like a kid, like a Winnie the Pooh roller coaster or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they weren't waiting for the Omni, not waiting for the Omnimover, but if they had already solidified everything and, and opened before '67. We would have seen totally different gags. Totally yeah, different. That would have been so weird. Some of them. I mean, you know, I mean, not it everything. sounds like a completely different ride. Like Well, another upheaval that the Omni Mover created was with the music. When Exitensio wrote Yo Ho for Pirates, he wrote it along with composer Buddy Baker to have no beginning and no end. Because you never knew oh. where the guests would be entering the song, right? So you go through these scenes huh. and the music is sort of just playing on a loop, right? As yeah. you as you hit that scene with dialogue over it. I never really realized that. It's almost like Small World in a sense, right? So the lyrics were never really tied to one specific scene. So they had to make all the lyrics make sense in any context of the ride, no matter where you were along that ride path. So how do you do that for something like Grim Green? a lot of thought. Right? Yeah. And so how do you do that for Grim Green Ghosts in, in a ride where each scene sort of had a story and there was like a complexity to it? It was very challenging. Um, I also learned alternatively... That song, it was called The Screaming Song. That was the alternate <laughs> alternate name for the... Sc- I feel like it doesn't... There's not even screaming in it. I don't know. That's weird. Um, <laughs> X and Buddy pulled out all the stops, taking bits and pieces from the song, reworking them, and using those re- reworkings in various spots throughout the ride, like in the foyer where it's more of a funeral dirge, right? You know, dirge, dirge, oh, right? Oh, yeah. And in, in the Grand Hall, when it was turned into a waltz for the, the dancing ghosts. Uh, because remember, X was not only tasked with writing the song, but also sort of like the, the story of the thing, right? This yeah. way, the music could still make sense and could still be played on a loop that was in a specific scene. In the graveyard, I learned they even detuned some of the instruments and recorded some of them playing backwards to mix it all down to give that ethereal feeling. And I don't think we would have had a tune like that if this was a boat ride or a walkthrough. Right. It would have been open much earlier, and I don't think there would have been that pressure to, to, to sort of do this, right? Um, the Haunted Mansion evolved so much in its time that it could never be just one thing. It's not scary. It's not funny. It's not a walkthrough, but it's not really far from a boat ride if you think about it and you've had a couple beers. <laughs> Thanks to its history of constant changes, the mansion is more of a collection of gags and trimmed plots than it is a cohesive story. Uh, and in my opinion, it's that lack of linear storytelling that adds to its mystique. Now, I do want to just take a little bit of time to read this entire book to you. <laughs> No, um, no there, there's a, a passage in here uh, where Jason sort of makes a point similar to that, and then he sort of counters it. Um, though it's not as intricately constructed as, as a Shakespearean play, a story does exist. In fact, Imagineering legend and Disneyland veteran Tony Baxter believes that in the end, combining the seemingly divergent work of Mark Davis and Claude Coates inadvertently gave the Haunted Mansion a fairly solid three-act structure. In, which I never thought of, and I read this and it blew my mind. In Act 1, and I also think Imagineers overthink a lot of stuff. Uh, in Act 1, which begins slowly and ominously in the foyer, guests anticipate the appearance of the happy haunts and experience poltergeist activity and unseen spirits. Madame Leota provides the curtain that separates Act 1 and Act 2. The medium conjures up the spirits and encourages them to materialize which they promptly do in the swinging wake in the Grand Hall and Attic. I never merged those two scenes or, or never, never, never thought that there was like a, a cause and effect between those two scenes. 
hmm. or the Leodicene and then whatever we, else we see. Um, because I think before then you don't see ghosts and then Leota comes and then, then you see ghosts. Yeah. I never thought of that. Well, she's awakening the spirits. I know, but I just thought that she was, I don't know, being <laughs> dumb. I don't know what the hell she was doing. I, look, it's far be it for me, a man, to assume oh what any God. woman is doing at any point in time, right? right. It's not up to me. <laughs> um, the descent from the attic window into the graveyard takes guests into Act 3, in which they are completely surrounded by the ghosts who are enjoying the manic intensity of a graveyard jamboree. Finally, one of the three hitchhiking ghosts materializes besides guests in their doom buggy before the exit. This might be a happy accident, as Imagineers refer to such serendipity, but it works. I don't know. I, do, I, I, like, I like that. Um, it sort of puts the current mansion into a different context for me. Yeah, it's very segmented. I didn't. You're right. I never really thought about it, but yeah, never thought about it. I, I like I like his his thought on the the story, but it does lose me a little bit. The attic, like I I see the curtain between Act One and Two, mm-hmm. but between Act Two and Three, I I would say if anything, it's it's when you're passing the tree, it's when you're outside mm-hmm. with. The, That's what he's saying. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah, I thought yeah. he was saying the attic. Well, no, as you pass the attic and go into the graveyard. Oh. But he never said that's Act Three. I don't think so. Oh, I see. Okay. I think you're right. Then I totally agree. Yeah, I me mean, too. I think it sounds cool. That's a good way to look at it. The end. Good job. Thank you. That's like wild. I know. So I mean, and it's 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 harder. And maybe I should have like pulled some original ideas out to sort of like give you an example. To what are you doing? I'm just trying to see the name of the book so I can put it in the chat. Haunted Mansion, Imagining a, Imagineering a Disney Classic. By Jason. Sorrell. Um, so I can give you some like, context and we could decide, like, would this have been better as a boat ride? And I, just, I don't think it would have. I don't think it would have either, but I sort of like boat rides. And, I do too. But part yeah. of what I love about Mansion is that, like, I want to stay in it. Like, I want to sleep in Truth. the house. Truth. I want to sleep in the Haunted Mansion yeah. <laughs> or a boat ride. Like, I want to sleep I with the Haunted Mansion. Let <laughs> <laughs> will be very clear. I'm going to go that far. Yeah. But, um, Those Roman columns do it to me every time. Oh, jeez. Oh, gosh. But I don't know. I just, I don't know that I'd want to stay on a boat ride. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad it's not a boat ride. I don't want to stay on Pirates. Although I do, I want to live in one of the shacks before you get into like, the, before you do the drop, like. Yeah, that's your dream. Oh, and pa- that's oh. my dream house. Yeah, the guy, the guy with the banjos, like we pass that nap. He's like, "Mom's dream house." <laughs> well, it's a it's a, a houseboat. You gotta have goals. It's a houseboat. It's a houseboat. It's I a would, houseboat. Yeah, it's a houseboat. It's a shanty it's on like, the water. It's like a keel like, boat houseboat thing. That's what I read. It was a houseboat, but maybe not. Huh. I don't know, man. Interesting. I've been to New Orleans. I've seen those shacks. They exist. Of course they do. <laughs> man, I'm telling you, that stuff doesn't just like get you know pop into someone's head randomly yeah. there's there's reasons for it you guys want to do some news yes all right sure. let's do a little bit of something i like to call news news march in the past present and future with all the news that's fit to cover it's the ears of disney news compressor now i'm trying to mess with it here Yeah, I know. I was working. 
Who are you yelling at? I'm working, yelling at Jeremy. I'm still yelling at him. I'm still Why? working. Because <laughs> he told me he would show up and he never did. Yeah, he ghosted us. Yeah. He's on vacation. No, he's not. Life, look, life can't be a vacation, okay? <laughs> he's not at Disney World anymore? Nope. He just posted that picture. I thought he was still there, too. No. Um, okay, so this is a, a creative writing story about uh, what some guests are going through to cancel annual passes for Disney yep. World. Uh, Dateline Orlando. Calling Disney World to cancel her annual pass was almost as nightmarish as navigating Florida's overwhelmed unemployment benefit system this year. Jen Vargas says that she was on hold for five hours with Disney. Wow. It gave her enough time to decide on dinner, cook and eat the meatless tacos, do the dishes, and then some. Is this a Scary Mommy article? Or what? No, this is from the Port Charlotte Sun. Uh, Craig Hicks w- once went to Disney World up to five times a week, snapping photographs. Uh, that was before the pandemic. Now that unlimited access is gone, even though he still pays 70 bucks a month for the annual pass. Well, Hicks is stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, among Disney World's annual pass holders, frustration and anger has surfaced this summer about how the theme parks have handled the unprecedented coronavirus for its most devoted fans. There are a litany of complaints. No open advance reservations since resort guests and people uh, paying full price for tickets snag them first. Waiting in long lines at guest services or being on hold for hours with Disney to troubleshoot problems and confusion over how their refunded passes are calculated in a formula that is not clear. Some people apparently are still waiting for their refund to arrive. Last month, the company mistakenly charged lump bills for people paying monthly installments for their annual passes. Oh, Can yeah. you imagine? After all this, then no, they're I like, wouldn't be able to pay my mortgage. And oh. yeah, and well, and you're out of work or something, right? <laughs> yeah. And that happens. Good gravy. Uh, of course, Disney apologized and refunded, but now apparently they're facing three lawsuits over what happened, including a federal one are. filed last week by uh, someone. Uh, in uh, one of the weird named count Flagler County Flagler anyway um apparently uh, this person says the company charged her in July even though her pass had already expired oh wow yeah bro not cool uh annual pass holders are some of our most loyal guests and we want them to know how much we appreciate them disney spokeswoman andrea finger said in a statement we are offering pass holders pass holders multiple magnets no, I'm sorry. Multiple options on how to manage their passes as we all adjust to these unprecedented times. How hard is it to... Everybody who has a, an annual pass has a login, right? How hard is it to create yeah. a button that says yeah. cancel? Yeah, give me... Yeah, you want a refund. But and it's also, like, you know, the unprecedented <laughs> times, I get it. But, but charging people... Spotify. Yeah, but also, like, like, what I don't understand about that logic is... If you're on a monthly billing cycle, why did it suddenly bill you in a lump sum? That has nothing to do with the pandemic. I mean, it's just a mistake, and it sort of is highlighted because, I think, of the pandemic. But th- these kind of things shouldn't be happening but with the global mis- company. Yeah. Disney, sh- you wouldn't expect Disney to make. You should be working, too. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still yelling at Jeremy. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you because it's this is something that they've been doing for years and years and years and years and years. Like, right. wh- how did, how? It's weird. Uh, for the most part, it's right for them to feel cheated. They paid for something and aren't getting it, said Munaris. Munaris? 
a Disney annual pass holder himself, Disney is keeping a very tight leash on how many people they are letting through the turnstiles. It's a very brutal business call that Disney is making, but it's one that's understandable if you take three steps back and take off the mouse ears and look at supply and demand. But that's not true because Disney World is actually reducing their operating hours because nobody's going. <laughs> so you, you read this article and you think there's a flood of people going, but they're not going. So what? So there is a disconnect. There's something, and I understand they had to sort of pivot and 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 make these changes to how many people go through the gates. But and so sometimes I don't know, man. When you have a system in, in place that's you can't test fully. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. Uh, more COVID news, but this is actually a good one. Um, <clears throat> the uh, Disney partners with nonprofit company to donate one million masks to underserved families. In the Bay Area. This is from San Leandro, uh, California, which is home of the 21st Amendment. The Walt Disney Company has responded in a big way to the demand for masks, especially for young people during the coronavirus pandemic. It comes in the form of a donation of one million masks for communities in need. Disney has made uh, made the donation to MedShare for distribution to kids and families at risk here in the Bay Area and across the country. I think what we're doing with these masks, said Pat Salber, who's on the MedShare Board of Directors, especially for kids and kids that might have to go back to school, these are really fun. It's not like putting on a blue surgical mask. This is putting on a mask with your favorite cartoon animal that might not offer you the same protection as a blue surgical mask, but it's still fun. (laughs) Emphasis. direct quote? No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I was like, um... Where did this article go? Yeah. Oh, does he, is he still employed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Youth, Alliance, uh, Youth Alliance in southern Santa Clara County is among the organizations that will receive and distribute the brightly colored cotton masks. Quote, so we'll be serving and providing masks to the farm worker population, immigrant community, Latinx, and children specifically, explained Diane Ortiz, executive director of Youth Alliance. Hmm. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, good stuff from Disney, man. Uh, it looks like you're using an ad blocker. Nope. Uh, I'll turn off. Fine. Fine. I'll turn off my friggin' ad blocker because this story is going to uh, make me upset. <laughs> so actually, you, you know well what? No, start now. I'm not going to. I'm not going to do it. We're going to do something else. <laughs> How much will it actually cost to watch Mulan on Disney Plus? I don't know if you guys have heard the news, but Mulan, and we've talked about this a couple times on the show, that they keep pushing the stupid release date of this movie no one cares about, uh, the live-action <laughs> Mulan remake. Uh, they keep pushing it, pushing it, and we're like, why aren't they putting it on Disney Plus? Well, our answers, and I will be the first to say, this is a direct result of ears up, putting applying pressure to the thieves at the Disneyland Corporation. <laughs> okay. You heard me. I heard, I heard it here first, yeah. in fact. All right. There are a lot of things here. Thanks, man. <laughs> Mulan is set to premiere on Disney Plus on September 4th, and it comes with a price tag. Now, I didn't really understand that there's going to be content that you have to pay for on Disney Plus. Yeah. That price tag... Is thirty dollars? Honestly, I think what? that makes sense. Ha, I mean, sure, I I, I get it, it's but cheaper than going to the theater. N- no, you can go to the theater um, a matinee for like eight dollars. I well, but I guess I mean like for your family. Yeah, but who cares? So, but then, do you now own that movie? It's I mean, because like Amazon is doing that, but you you're buying the movie. 
you don't own the movie, but you have, I guess, access to it, and you have to maintain. Well, here we'll get to it. Um, in reality, for non Disney Plus subscribers who want to watch the studio's live adaptation, here I'm going to fix this this article because it goes on to just do the stupid math to pad out the article. You can't. If you're a non Disney Plus subscriber, you have to subscribe and then pay $30. But this, these people are trying to say, for non-Disney Plus subscribers who want to watch it, you have to. it's going to cost $37. D- you can't watch it otherwise, dummy. It's not like I you, mean, you have to be... It's going to cost a... everybody $37 exactly. because we're all paying the $7 fee. Mm-hmm. I know. You have it. This is the also, verge. I didn't know Mulan had that much hype. Like, they gave Frozen 2 away for free. <laughs> right. But Mulan is $37? Yeah, that part's weird. Um, Mulan will belong to Disney Plus's Premier Access Shelf, which is a new rental program that I have never, a platform that I've never heard of, that acts as an iTunes or Amazon movie store within Disney's own streaming service. For current subscribers, Mulan will cost twenty nine ninety nine. For non, this is okay. This is the. Oh, I swear to God, this is the line that flips my lid, bro. For non subscribers, a Disney Plus subscription is necessary. So that means, what do you mean for not, what, what kind of, fuck? <laughs> oh, he did it. What kind of phrase is that, bro? God, <laughs> stupid ass writing. Anyway, but keeping the film also requires an active Disney Plus membership, which means spending seven bucks a month in perpetuity. If you cancel your subscription, Milan disappears. Mulan does not carry over to other video services through Movies Anywhere, which is a departure from how Disney usually treats video purchases. That means much less flexibility for the customer. If you cancel your sub but reactivate Disney Plus later, Mulan should be in your library, but they don't know. I don't know. It huh. it it doesn't it doesn't so you're buying the movie for $30. You're buying a digital copy, but you're sort of handcuffed to watching it on Disney Plus. I, I don't I don't understand that. I've also read that Disney's sort of moving away from hard copies, and they're going to this sort of subscription ownership service in the future. So I under I understand digital copies. Oh, good. I hope so. Shut up. Okay. But I feel like if you're going to spend thirty seven dollars, you should get an email with like a link to that download. makes that movie yours. Forever. You should be able to download. But when you like, go to the you, theater, you're giving, you're not, it's not it's not a rental. Right. But when you go to the theater, you don't get to take the movie with you. And but also, when you, but, who gives a hot buttered crap about Mulan? Mulan, like, I guess. No offense. Like, I, I, I kind of want to see it. I'm not going to spend $30 to see it. No. <laughs> Heck no. I mean, yes, Taryn, you're right. When you go when you go, you're not paying thirty dollars. But when you go to the movies, you're you're paying eight to what, fifteen for a ticket to go and see the movie. You don't get it when you're you don't own the movie because you're not you're not going to own the movie. If that means you're going to a theater to watch the, the film, right? Well when you go to Disney Plus to watch Mulan, you're not going to own the movie. You're going to watch it. Like it was in a, a new release in the theater. You're going to watch. I, I, I but kind of for think it's but the same thing. but for a movie ticket, but to go rewatch it, you have to pay a movie ticket. So it's they're they're very they're very different things, right? When you're when you buy it for thirty dollars, they say you own it. You don't actually own it. You have to keep paying your subscription price for it. And then you can watch it whenever you want. Yeah. But that's not the same as going to a movie theater and then paying one ticket price to then see it all the time. 
So there's a, there's a, there's a difference. That's why that price is lower. I mean, twenty five bucks, sure. Thirty bucks, cool. Let me download it in in Blu-ray so I can On have Amazon, it at my house. I think they're doing the same thing, but I think it's like they're all like nineteen bucks. Yeah, but on Amazon I, you don't. I don't think you download them. I don't think that like I think it's oh, the same. No, it, it it's it is sort of the same thing. I just think thirty bucks is too high on top of the subscription service. I, I don't agree with that, but I understand it because they're gonna they're taking it in the pants because they can't make their money back. But then I I think they're gonna do this and then maybe sell the DVDs. But in my perfect world, you you can buy a digital code. To download that movie in Blu-ray, whatever movie it is, anywhere, exactly. anytime. In my opinion, that's how things should work. And I've wanted to, to buy dozens of movies in the past year, but I don't want the digital copy. Or I don't want the not hard enough copy. of them come with a digital copy. I don't want the hard copy because then I have to use a program to to rip it into my hard drive so I can have it on my computer so I can just organize it through Plex or whatever. That's what I want. I don't want digital co- I don't want hard copies. I want digital copies. But you, they, they hardly exist, and that's frustrating to me as a content like consumer. I get that. Um, yeah, I, I guess it just doesn't really bother me because I think this is the future. I don't think movie theaters are going to be our future anymore after COVID. There is a there's a call or not a call. But I, I read so, someone's idea online. <laughs> I like I blow it up out of proportion. Someone's like, why doesn't Netflix just buy movie theaters? And I I read something somewhere that. Netflix has sort of filed for like an ownership of a movie chain or some something adjacent to that. So, which makes perfect sense. You know, you have movies that are through Netflix that you can go to the movie theater and watch because some people like that that experience, right, of going to movie theaters. I am definitely not one of those people. I cannot stand the movie theaters. Mm-hmm. Last movie I saw was Passengers. What even is that? It was with uh, Chris... One of the Chris's, he's the one from Guardians of the Galaxy, Pratt, Chris Pratt, and uh, Jennifer, no, Jennifer Lawrence, they're like in space. Oh, yeah. It was a a hot minute ago. Yeah, because I saw that on my couch a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, I got two more uh, news stories, one that feels good and one that'll make you mad. What do you want? Mad. Mad. Okay. Some people are now calling for retheming of Pinocchio's daring journey. Oh, jeez! What? <laughs> How do you retheme Pinocchio? Uh, well, and also why? Exactly. Um, this person uh, wrote into this blog post that says, "I want to let you know that Pinocchio's daring journey is my least favorite ride, as it makes me feel very uncomfortable." And it's the well, I don't know why I just immediately went to Woody Allen voice, but um, it's the most disturbing ride, partly due to the scary clowns that some of the people don't like, but it's also mainly because of the child slavery and child abuse scenes involving Pinocchio being caged up, and then two donkey boys sold into slavery in cages had made me uncomfortable. This this makes this person uncomfortable of painting off a movie that was done in the 30s. Yes, yeah, so you don't like the movie. Bad children being shipped in cages. <sighs> First of all, they're turned into well, whatever. I would like to ask the Disneyland staff to consider replacing Pinocchio's Daring Journey ride with a different Disneyland ride as it's not the happiest place to be on, which is a ride that is not family friendly. Oh, well that's it sucks that like Disney like forces you to go on that ride every time you're there. So like he this has gets, to experience this. This gets better. Please Disneyland company, 
comma, replace Pinocchio's ride with something else, like Cinderella, or maybe Beauty and the Beast ride. Child slavery in the Pinocchio ride is a very sensitive subject for families. Please, Disneyland Company, please. Wait, what about the parallels that you can draw to from Beauty and the Beast about, like, human trafficking and slavery? (laughs) It's all the same things, yeah. Like, it's all the same thing. Get your head well, you know what? I'm I am at my mother in law's house. I'm not going to say those words. But is this like a child? I I I I'm I, if I had to bet money, I would bet this was uh, someone at ESL, someone as English as a second language. Uh, it sounded like a child. Another me. comment. Yeah, that's sort of what yeah, I mean. Like, like I where it's like it's like they're like uh, they're like it, it's a it's a thought out like feeling and like a cause and effect kind of thing. But it's written sort of in like a yeah. child's voice but there are some larger words so I, that's what hmm. sometimes like i i speak spanish at a child <laughs> <at a> child's <laughs> level some yeah. would say that's maybe shooting above my current mental level but anyway <laughs> this is another one i don't know if you're aware of this but how about child slavery that's featured on pinocchio's daring journey right first of all it's not child slavery they're turned into donkeys first and then it's child slavery yeah it's animal Abuse. cruelty sure um <laughs> i have night yeah. I have nightmares with that ride featuring child abuse, scary scenes, and donkey boy slavery being caged up. Donkey boy slavery is now my new chat name. <laughs> um, there's also scary clowns on that ride many people get scared of. That is a complete thought from an adult human being. There's also <laughs> scary clowns on that ride many people get scared of, period. Is this person's name on there? No. Oh, is the Pino- is the Pinocchio ride going to be replaced? <laughs> is the Pinocchio ride going to be replaced in the future with a different Disney ride? I hope so, because the Pinocchio ride isn't the happiest place to be in Disneyland, which also sounds off very much like the last comment. So it feels like it's like the same stupid person. Yeah, uh, it really translate is. a couple times. Yeah, it's uh, it's stupid. I don't know. Anyway, people are upset. I hate it. I don't like it. I think it's stupid. And uh, people ruin everything. That's <laughs> accurate. Yeah. It sucks. Whatever. Luckily, these are just people on a blog site jibber-jabbering to each other. So it yeah. literally means nothing. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, what are you going to do? I thought about I thought about creating a change.org petition. Um, to get uh, authentic New Orleans artists to play the soundtrack for the music for the Princess and the Frog ride uh, that's replacing Splash Mountain. Sort of as a LARP, like sort of as a joke, but also I don't want to hear Randy Newman, man. We're going to the bar. Well, so I've, so I've been listening to this stupid soundtrack because Alice is now on it to sucks, Princess and Frog. Homie. It's bad. Well, so I've been listening to it yeah. for the last three days. Yeah. And... Randy Randy Newman? Mm-hmm. What the, okay. Mm-hmm. Is that really? Yeah. Randy Newman is um, not... He doesn't do any of the, the songs with lyrics. It's all just like... Yeah. Yes. What are, you, what are you talking about? He doesn't do any of the songs with lyrics. None of the songs that he does have lyrics. They're just instrumental. So they're no, just... They're not. Yeah. I, 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 he sings a bunch of the songs. I don't think he does. I think that you're thinking of this other artist who... He, he doesn't. I, 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 I discovered this today, and I was like, I don't oh. know how you can say that. Because I've been listening to... I don't know how you can say soundtrack. that. Well, maybe the Spotify version of the soundtrack is not accurate. 
Now I'm gonna get way way too many uh, notices. <laughs> yeah. On my thing, but this is not that it is incorrect. I've heard him sing. You no, know, there there's somebody on there that sounds like him. That's but it's Randy not, Newman. It's not. It's not. Because it lists the artists right there. Just no. saying. I, I I can only tell you what I what I see, you know. He's listed as the artist on all of like after like the soundtrack ends and then they do all the instrumental stuff. That's where you see Randy Newman. He sings on it. I swear to God. Okay, we'll figure this out later. All right. I'll figure this out later. I'll, I will put this on YouTube. Not YouTube. I'll put this on Facebook the day that I was correct. Brian in the chat agrees with me. Brian can go away. I'm kidding, Brian. Don't leave me, please. I love you too much. <laughs> like, this is a Randy Newman song. It's not. What song is that called? No, this needs not him singing. I swear to God. I know. I can't be wrong. You are wrong. I refuse to be wrong. I. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Well, look. I mean, oh, you know what? That's de- I was down in New Orleans. That's the 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 ending. The begin the, the originally sung is Doctor John, who is the king of New Orleans music, and he does sort of sound Randy Newmanish. Is it Jim Cummings that you're talking about, Karen? This guy, I think. This is Doctor John. Yeah, who's the absolute king? But you thought it was Randy Newman. I did. I did. (laughs) So then, is Randy Newman like the king? (laughs) Jason, just say it. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Everyone, please be quiet for a second. Uh, I want to address allegations that I was incorrect. In something that I had stated maybe 15, 20 seconds ago. <laughs> um, I still despise Randy Newman, so I still want to do a change org petition. And I really do feel like it would be funny, even more so now, to be completely and wildly conjecturing about the impact of Randy Newman on said movie. Thank you for your time. <laughs> I have a question. Do you like the movie more now that you know that it's actually a person you respect? I refuse. To, to, yeah. um, okay, last uh, last one, and then we're going to get out of here, everybody. Um, yeah, because we only have 39 minutes left on this card. So, Oh, jeez. Um, a COVID-19 testing site opened on Thursday at the Main Gate Complex at Walt Disney World, offering free tests to employees and their family members, and soon the community at large, which... That's the least Disney could do is get free testing for their employees. <laughs> yeah. um, the site at uh, 3010 Maingate Lane lists its operating hours from 7 excuse me, seven to 4 uh, daily, but will only be available to Disney workers and their families on Thursday. The site opens to the general public Friday, but there will be a dedicated lane for cast members only. Registration is available at doineedacovidtest.com. <laughs> oh, wow. Which, if you have to ask, yes, you do. Um, leaders say that people getting tested can expect results within 72 hours, which is, from what I understand, is like the lowest turnaround time. Yeah, for sure. People are waiting 5, 17, 21 days right it's now. insane. Which at that yeah, point, ridiculous. why even get tested? Yeah, it doesn't even matter. Like, it's so dumb. My mother-in-law's friend uh, had like a stomach, stomach. She ended up not testing positive for COVID, but she had like a stomach virus, which is, I guess, can also be symptoms. Yeah. 
symptoms are so bizarre. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think she waited eight or nine days before she got her results. Like, she was fine. Jeez. Well, it's a 60% chance of being correct. In either way. <laughs> yeah, it's it true. swings in either direction. It's true. All right, we're getting out of here, everybody. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate you guys uh, hanging with us today. Hopefully, Facebook Live, you guys had a good time over there. And um, I want you to listen to Taryn's podcast, uh, housemeetingcom House Meeting Podcast. No, House Meeting Pod. What is it? It's housemeetingpod.com. Which really just takes you to the Ears Up website. Yeah. So if you're on Ears Up, you can go to earsup-podcast.com, go to the archives, the drop down, it's right there, House Meeting. You can listen to all five apps or subscribe on iTunes, rate it, uh, listen to it, please. Taryn and her sister Ellen and their friend Sam do a really uh, good job. We're actually going to go watch the next app uh, right now of Big Brother, and then I'm sure Taryn will be recording here shortly. For you Patreon supporters, I'm going to be recording my first episode of... I started this too early. My first episode of Cool People Doing Cool Things with my friend Tom, who is a sound engineer, uh, currently employed by the Dave Matthews Band, but he's toured with Corn. He's toured with The Dead. He's toured with the Irish Tenors. He's toured with Bob Dylan, with Metallica, um, all these kind of people. And when you go to a concert and like you're sitting in a concert and you hear the band, that sound mix is Tom's job to make sure it sounds good. So it's fascinating work for me to, to talk to him about. Uh, I, I respect it a lot, but I really want to talk to him about like what it's like to be on a tour bus with people for eight months. Yeah, you know what I mean, and not do anything. You're staying up for 36 hours. You got to load. You got to load. It's a whole like thing. So, um, if you have any questions that you want me to address in this show, email them to me. I'm recording at 10 tomorrow, so uh, you know, get them to me soon, and then uh, I'll, I'm happy to ask. And this is sort of what's going to be. I'm going to announce who I'm interviewing and asking people for their questions. So check that out. Please become a Patreon supporter. It is the only way we can keep doing this show. I can't stress that enough. Please become a Patreon supporter for as little as two bucks a month. That two bucks goes a long way. But I recommend, honestly, now I recommend the 12. I would say the five. Now I recommend the 12 because you get a lot more content out of it. Anyway, we're going to get out of here. Thanks a lot, everybody. And until next time, uh, don't forget to ask for the 21st Amendment wherever you find good craft beer like DCA. And we'll see you in the parks. <laughs>